Welcome to another episode of the Faith Work Rest podcast. Our mission is to help people discern their vocations and reimagine their occupation for the good of their neighbor and the glory of God. We're part of the Surge Network. It's a network of local churches united to put Jesus on display in their community. You can learn more at surgenetwork.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Lauren Kutzko, and I'm here with Jim Mullins. We've got a great episode for you today uh, where we are going to uh, play a talk by Dr. Luke Bobo, uh, which I think you guys will get a lot out of. Uh, he talks a lot about Sabbath and work. Uh, and so before we get into that, Rick, Jim, uh, one of the things that we have did a couple weeks now, and we're going to do again, is the Faith Work Rest Show and Tell. So have you been giving any thought or having any uh, specific things helping you out with, with these things recently? Absolutely. I've, I've always got stuff. I'm always ready for a Faith Work and Rest Show and Tell. <laughs> it is you, my friend. It's a little leery of the question. That's but true. I'll start us off. I am going to go with nutmeg. Okay. All right. So if the point of this thing is to give people something that will help them with faith, work, or rest, yep. nutmeg is something I think will help with people's rest. And that's nutmeg. That's the stuff you put in uh, like eggnog. Cookies, eggnog. Okay. Exactly. And believe it or not, I asked a Mayo Clinic doctor. We were at this training where there was this Mayo Clinic doctor, and he's talking about all these important health things. Okay. And someone asked him about what is one thing that could help with sleep? And his response was that you take some milk and you put a little bit of nutmeg in it and drink it before you go to sleep. I thought he was crazy. Okay. I thought there's no way this is a Mayo Clinic doctor, right? Um, you know, <laughs> he's, like, he's like practicing medicine with old wives tales. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> sure enough, I struggle with sleep occasionally. I put a little bit of nutmeg and some milk mm-hmm. down that stuff before I go to bed. And it knocks me out. So I actually did some research on it. And apparently nutmeg is such a potent um, spice that people smuggle it into prisons because they use it as drugs. So if you have too really? much nutmeg, oh yeah. you could start hallucinating. Oh so goodness. hopefully I'm not giving anyone any like. Right. They're going to start putting it like behind the section where you need your ID at the pharmacy. Right. Right. Hopefully we have no faith, work and rest podcasts influenced nutmeg nutmeg overdoses, nutmeg addicts, but just put a pinch, like a little quarter of a teaspoon in some milk. It'll help you sleep like a baby. Now, does it matter if you warm the milk up or is it cold milk? Does it matter? They say to warm it up. Yeah. I don't know why he said that. Okay. So I'm just going with his recommendation. No, that's good. Mine's actually about sleep also. Nice. Uh, I've I've been having a couple restless nights lately and we were out of town visiting some family and I had uh, a hard time falling asleep one night because of this awful pillow that I had. And so it really made me appreciate both my tuft and needle mattress and my memory foam pillow, which I don't actually remember the brand of, but I may have seen recently that tuft and needle came out with like pillows, which if they did, I may check it out. You're kidding I, me. I, I had just a horrible time falling asleep. It was just too puffy. This pillow and I, I was up for an extra hour probably trying to figure out, do I just go no pillow? Do I, you know, what do I do? And my, <laughs> my wife will tell you my pillow i've had it way too long but i can't get rid of it because that's just like it's perfect so yeah do you do you have a tuft and needle mattress we do yeah yeah we're i think we're, we've been married 16 years and so we're i think you keep them for 10 years right so we're on our second mattress yeah and we went tuft and needle go you know stay local we've we've loved it we actually had a difficult first week with it but we kind of stuck with it you know they give you like a 100 days return policy or something which mm-hmm. is unheard of mm-hmm. or at least it was when they invented it and now it's great. That's great. Yeah. 
we have one as well. And actually the way it played out for us to get one mm-hmm. is I stepped into Cartel Coffee a couple years ago. Another great local company. You would think that <laughs> we're spons- these, these companies are sponsoring us. Right. They should. This is an appeal. See how we can push your stuff. Sponsor us. Right. Um, Dozens of people will come by your coffee. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, my grandma, perhaps, and uh, maybe someone from one of our congregations, our wives, maybe. Possibly. But, um, yeah, walked into Cartel and tried to pay for some coffee, and they said, Tuft & Needle has paid for all of the coffee today. Nice. I'm like, who's Tuft & Needle? And they oh, said, really? Go look it up. And so I looked it up. It was a mattress company. I said, that's my mattress company right there. Amazing. So now they're in the business of helping you sleep. Yeah. And wake up. Yeah. See that? I really do think Tuft & Needle is our future for sponsoring right. this thing. Well, I'll talk to them. No, they're, and they're great. They're, they're super involved in the local community. They've put huge investments into downtown Phoenix and uh, the warehouse district of Phoenix. And then they've invested a ton in the Grand Avenue. So mm-hmm. uh, they're a great local company. We're, gl- mm-hmm. we're gra- glad they decided to stay here. Grand Avenue is like the Bermuda Triangle of <laughs> the Phoenix <laughs> area. area. Yeah, don't fly over it. So uh, another question that, you know, Luke, Dr. Bobo um, gives an amazing talk on work, Mm -hmm. talks about Sabbath, uh, quotes from an incredible book uh, called Margin that Mm -hmm. my wife has like dog-eared every corner in this book. She's a huge fan of rest and sleep. And um, why do you think it's so hard to practice the Sabbath? Why is that something that is just continuing to be such a difficult issue for, I mean, as long as mankind's been around, right? I mean, even think about Moses bringing this law to to God's people in the desert. Why even then has this always just been such a hard thing to practice? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You think it would be the easiest thing to obey because literally the command is to do nothing. Right. There's no amount of effort that is less than nothing. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Um but I think that there are many factors involved. I think some of them are societal in that we don't have a common day off or even common hours, common work hours. Hmm. I think there are some advantages to that. But there once was a day where you couldn't go to a lot of places on a Sunday. You, everything was closed on a Sunday. Everything was closed after 5, 6 p.m. And you had to go – you had to work during normal work hours and that was a common part of life. But now it's so customizable that the people that you work with, some of them are up at 1 in the morning working, sending mm-hmm. you emails. Others are up at like 5 a.m. Right. sending you emails. And literally there aren't any societal boundaries that encourage rest. Mm. So I think that's one tangible thing. I think another thing is that idolatry – the idolatry of significance is so prevalent and you have the opportunity to be pursuing that idol 24 seven. I mean, you can, you can be sending emails, you can be doing research up until the last few moments that your eyes close as you lay in bed and look at your phone. But you're not saying that people are getting a sense of significance from sending emails. No, but they could be, um, you know, advancing their goals that make them feel significant okay. up until that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure nobody in the history of the world has said, 
I feel significant. <laughs> the because, more emails. Well, I ma- send. maybe when like Prodigy first came out, or when <laughs> AOL and you first got your email, and other people didn't. That person thought they were pretty cool because they were sending emails. But yes, the likelihood of getting Prodigy to sponsor this podcast is a lot lower, probably than Tough to Needle. I, I think we missed cartel. our window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, how about you? What do you think? Uh, it's it's a good question. I, I mean, I don't I don't personally feel as much struggle to stop mm. working physically, mm. but shutting off my mental energy about the things I'm working on, mm-hmm. whether it's the things that I worked on earlier in the day or um, the things that I have put off until tomorrow or that I want to keep working on. I find that the thing that probably leads me to the most struggle with practicing Sabbath is keeping my personal energy level aligned with what's going on around me. So Mm. this mainly started to kick in when I got married and then intensify when we had kids was, you know, we have a value of maybe having a meal together or sort of being done working for the day or something like that. But I'm still kind of thinking about it. I've still got cycles in me to, to keep working. Um, And it's, it's frustrating uh, to, you know, sort of sometimes have space and availability and not necessarily feel the creative energy, mm. but then other times to feel this creative energy and then feel like I have to artificially pause it to focus on something that I don't have the specific energy for right then. And they're always good things, right? I mean, it's, you know, wrestling with my kids on the carpet versus, you know, thinking about this project that I'm working on. I think that's the frustrating thing. Like what's going on right this second doesn't always align with my priorities. So that's that's one of the things that's been difficult for me. But it's mainly mental. Yeah, that's a good insight. I can resonate with that for sure. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of Tim Keller stuff on work, and he shares a lot about Eric Liddell and uh, Harold Abrams mm-hmm. and from the Chariots of Fire movie. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said that was really helpful for me was that it isn't necessarily the work, but it's the work under the work. So like you said, kind of the the, the wanting to get significance or the idolatry of significance. Mm. And I found that really helpful to know that even if I have – put all put my computer away for the weekend and I'm fishing with my kids or something like everything that I'm doing that you can see me doing might not be work but I actually still could be kind of fighting inside for a sense of purpose and value and not resting on what Jesus did for me absolutely that's very well said man well I think um Dr. Luke Bobo he's going to He's going to touch on a lot of important things about rest, uh, but what you said right there, I think, has to be what undergirds all of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. So we had Dr. Boba out for First Wednesday a mm-hmm. little while ago. He serves as the Director of Curriculum and Resources for Made to Flourish, which is a pastor's network for the common good, and he brings leadership to creating and curating resources and curriculum for Made to Flourish pastors. Luke brings a rich blend of experience to Made to Flourish, having worked for 15 years in the marketplace as an engineer before pursuing an MDiv and a PhD, and eventually serving as the Executive Director of the Francis Schaeffer Institute at Covenant Seminary. Recently, he spent time as a Professor of Religious Studies at Lindenwood University, and wrote curriculum for a workplace ministry. Luke is visiting, he's a visiting instructor of contemporary culture at Covenant Seminary and the author of Living Salty and Light-Filled Lives in the Workplace and A Layperson's Guide to Biblical Interpretation, A Means to Know the Personal God. Let's listen to what he has to say. When I teach my undergrads, I like to tell them, it's my job to scramble your egg. 
to help you to think and to um, some jog, jog some things in your head that may or may not be true. So with that, let me just get started. Let me offer this free public service announcement. You ready? Work is good. Work is a good gift from the Lord. It's, we find dignity in working with our heads, our hearts, and our hands. We know that work is good because in Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2, we're introduced to a God who's working. And what I find fascinating about that is scholars have said Genesis 1 and 2 are like the, like the prologue to the entire Bible. God could have introduced himself in a number of ways, but he introduces himself as a worker. And we image God, we're like God when we work and when we rest. Your work contributes to your flourishing and to the flourishing of your neighbor. Your work, whether paid or unpaid, is one chief way you serve and love your neighbor. The reformer Martin Luther said this, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. And all that sounds wonderful, so I just spoke about creation. All that would sound wonderful if it were not for the fall. Because Adam and Eve, they committed high treason. The fall of man was a, a game changer. Work is still good, but because of the fall, work is also riddled with frustration. And so as workers, we can err two ways. One way is to think, to think little of our work and therefore do our work in a very sloppy way or be lazy about our work. The other error we make is we think too highly of our work. As Tim Keller put it, we can make a good thing like work the ultimate thing. And let me illustrate this. I remember as an MDiv student at Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, our counseling professor often said this, for some of you to get an A in this course would be a sin. Now we've been taught all our lives to get that top grade. But his point was, much like you can think too highly of your work, if you think too highly of getting a good grade, it could mean making your wife a seminary widow. And getting that A could puff up pride. And so that, that was his point about getting an A would be a sin. Then he also said to some of us, to not get an A would be a sin. And his point was, you, you think lightly of your education, and you waste those skills, all the people that have invested in you to get to school, and that too is a problem. That too is a sin. And we want to certainly avoid those two extremes. Our work can become a source or basis of our worth and our dignity. In this way, instead of using our work to serve others, we actually bow 
our knees to our work. Our work becomes our Lord, little L. And we need something as broken people, as fallen people. We need something to help us to not, not to fall victim to serving our work as a little G God. We need a hard stop. We need a divine example to emulate. We need something that gives us permission to say, that's a great opportunity, but no thank you this time. Many of us say yes much too quickly and much too often. As Thomas Opong writes in his insightful article, Stop Managing Your Time But Start Owning It, he says saying yes is driving many people insane. And my good friend Ron can vouch for that statement. Ron was a 35-year-old pastor of a, a large church in St. Louis. He was a husband, a father, and also a D-men student. And he came very close to going insane. If it were not for the one week he spent in the hospital from exhaustion. He said, unfortunately, Ron is much like, it's much like us. We fit these often used descriptors of our society. In his book, Margin, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives, physician Richard Swenson says this, often used descriptors of our society include active, busy, driven, fatigued, tired, exhausted, weary, burned out, anxious, overloaded, or stressed. And those all describe me. And I suspect they describe you as well. Many of us often use that identity statement when asked, how are you? We respond, I am busy. And to borrow Descartes' very famous statement, I think, therefore I am, perhaps we should modify that to say, I am busy, therefore I am. Fortunately for us, those who are crazy busy, our good Lord offers us good gifts, and they're not new. They are the Sabbath, they are rest, and play. So let's start talking about, or talk about the Sabbath and rest first. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we're told that the Lord, or God, stops his creative working. He ceases from his six days of creative work. In my work at Made to Flourish, I often consult a very um, informational website called the Theology at Work Project. One commentator on that website said this about Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. While creating humanity was the climax of God's creative work, resting from his work on the seventh day was the climax of God's creative week. God, now picture this, God enjoys 
glorious inactivity. God kicks up his feet. God rests. Honoring the Sabbath simply, simply means stop working. To cease from working one day. It means not answering emails from work, not texting employees at work. To cease one day from working. Sabbath keeping gives us perspective and Sabbath keeping pr protects us. The late John Stott in his book Radical Disciples says this, the Sabbath puts the importance of work in perspective, into perspective. It protects us from being totally consumed in our work as if it were to be the be-all and the end-all of our existence. Some good friends of mine are writing a book, and I'm going to quote just a little excerpt from the early beginnings of this book. By refraining from work one day a week, we give God space to give us rest, to celebrate what he is doing in our work, and to reflect on the ways we need to work differently in the coming week. Ceasing from doing work is good and sacred. Ceasing from doing work is good and sacred. And we recognize the holiness of the Sabbath by not working on that day. Your Sabbath might be an entire day, a portion of a day. Your Sabbath might be Sunday, it might be Thursday. What day it is really doesn't matter. As Romans chapter 14 through 15 tells us, what matters is that we obey God's command and take a Sabbath. Later in the Old Testament, God commanded the Israelites, his chosen people, to observe a Sabbath rest as he had just delivered them from Egypt, from the house of slavery. God codifies this command in the Ten Commandments. God's commands are good for us. God's commands are not meant to be a burden to us or onerous. God's commands are not meant to rain on our parade. God's commands are for our good. And only a good God will give us commands. You see, everyone is searching for the good life. And our culture certainly has its opinion on what, what the good life is. For the Christian, we don't need to look very far. The, the good life are God's commands. Obey God's commands, follow God's commands, and that's the good life. Everyone is searching for or trying to maintain a high quality of life. For Christians, that riddle has been solved. It's again following God's commands. God's commands are for our good. The Sabbath is for our good. And that's why I believe Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. It was made for us and not man for the Sabbath. Gene Veith, in his book, God at Work, 
says this, the Sabbath is a good gift from the Lord for busy, distracted, weary human beings. Any busy, distracted, weary human beings in the audience? Amen? He gives us a break um, as V continues. Time to recharge our lives by spending time with him, our families, and ourselves. So did you hear that? The Sabbath is God's gift to us. The Sabbath is God's gift to us. We need a regular Sabbath for the sake of our own health and sanity. Dr. Winter, my colleague at Covenant, who's also a psychiatrist, he writes this in his book, Still Bored in a Culture of Entertainment. The biblical command to rest for one day of the week to, to honor the Sabbath is an important God-given principle for our own health and sanity. We neglect it at our peril, he concludes. If, if honoring the Sabbath and the resulting rest is a divine gift and a command, then why do most of us disobey God by not keeping the Sabbath? What's that all about? Well, perhaps, maybe we have adopted some Bill Gates thinking. Early when he was in his 20s, uh, AC, if you can put that slide up, Bill Gates said in his 20s he never took a day off. And if you're 20 years old or in the 20s, this is not good advice. He's very smart. As you think about Microsoft and all the spin-offs from that, but this is not a good work ethic to, to follow. Perhaps we have fallen hook, line, and sinker to keep in step, to keep in step with, the, with the 24-7 culture and the need to be always on. Perhaps we have bought into the need for a selfless devotion to the job. If that's you, you're not alone. According to a Harvard Business Review article, when Best Buy executives attempted to focus on results and avoid long work hours, some managers actually complained, holding tightly to a belief that selfless devotion to the job was necessary. And you heard Jim uh, give that quote let me just add to that quote something I read yesterday from the New York Times. This is an article entitled, How to Recognize Burnout Before You're Burned Out, by Kenneth Rosen. He says, being tired, ambivalent, stressed, cynical, and overextended has become a normal part of working professional life. So I hope you get the, the gravity and the force of that statement. There's a new normal. 
The normal is being tired, ambivalent, stressed, cynical, and overextended. That captures our work life. But God did not intend for us to govern our work lives by this new normal. This is not God's strip, uh, script. Whatever we have bought into has led us to forfeit God's gift of the Sabbath. But our bodies were designed for rest. Again, Dr. Swenson reminds us sleep is the clearest example and one that cannot be violated. The Sabbath is God's hard stop to allow us to rest. Unfortunately, there's no glory or fanfare in rest. We are a tired generation with no margin to slow down to give our undivided attention to family members. We are a tired generation with no margin to slow down to give our neighbors what my friend calls the gift of unhurried time. Sadly, our society rewards constant activity. And this reminds me, when my wife and I lived in St. Louis, a business journal did an article entitled 30 Under 30. The top 30 executives who were making waves under the age of 30. And my wife worked for one of those people. And her boss would email her at 11 o'clock at night. And oh, by the way, she expected a response. And she was rewarded for her constant activity. But all the while, it, it, it trespassed trespass boundaries into our home. So here are, here are a couple of things I know about people who starve their bodies to rest. They look haggard and worn out. A person who refuses to rest his or her body will eventually crash and burn. Our minds need rest. Our bodies need rest. Our emotions need rest. Our eyes, our minds need rest. And God commands us to practice the Sabbath so that we can rest our minds, our, our hearts, our souls, our bodies. So that's the first half of this talk, and I've been asked to give you a question. You guys ready for this question? So Michael Goheen uh, coined the phrase, contrast society. The church, he says, should be a contrast society. So how might a contrast society and a Sabbath connect? How might being a contrast community or society as a church connect with keeping the Sabbath? Awesome. Well, that was so great. We are uh, so appreciative to have such great great folks, great thought leaders and practitioners uh, make themselves available to be on this podcast. Um, Jim, how did it come about that Dr. Bobo was able to come out to Tempe? Yeah, so what we just listened to was a clip from an event that uh, we call First Wednesday. We also had him out here for 
one of our pastor's lunches that Serge puts on. And um, here's the thing. I've run into Dr. Bobo on a couple of different occasions at different conferences. And I just realized I really like him. And I had to figure out a way to get him here. He is a humble and really sharp guy who asks great questions, who's a who just has a deep well of knowledge. Uh, he works for Made to Flourish, which is one of the organizations that equips pastors. Uh, it's a pastor's network that's focused on faith and work, and they're super sharp, and we partner with them a lot. And so I just figured we've got to figure out a way to get him out here. So when the topic of rest came up, I, I reached out to him, and he came out. He's one of those guys that I really appreciate a ton. So with that in mind, if you were going to forget everything that was just said, except for one thing, your memory was going to be wiped out, what would you remember? What was What's one nugget that you want to keep from Dr. Bobo's talk? Actually, the question that he asked uh, as he was transitioning into the Q&A time or the, or the table discussions at that first Wednesday, uh, I thought was really interesting. So he referenced Mike Goheen's t- comment that we need to be a contrast community or contrast society. And he, he asked, how might a contrast society and keeping the Sabbath connect. Um, and I thought that was that was really good because I mentioned Chariots of Fire a second ago. You know, there's this scene in Chariots of Fire where uh, Eric Liddell's walking by and a, a little boy's playing with a ball after church on the Lord's Day. And he kind of says, you know, don't do that, <laughs> right? Sort of foreshadowing yeah. for, for his race and stuff. And, you know, there's part of me that's always just kind of rolled my eyes at that and been like, oh, that's so old-fashioned. But it is so difficult to figure out what exactly this looks like as uh, – as God's people living in community to have a healthy rhythm of Sabbath. When, like you said, so much of society works, but on the other hand, so many people are centering their entire Sunday around football and, and resting. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, many people would say that that is very, a very restful activity. Not the way I watch Not it. Not the way you watch it, but many people, you know, they sort of uh, lay on the couch and watch game after game. So that can be pretty restful. So how, what is the best way to do that? Well, you know, when we're in such a, meritocracy where people are so busy all the time. Mm. They see a Christian family across the street all, you know, rush out of the house on Sunday morning, arguing with each other as they're shoving the kids to get in the car, just like they do every other day of the week to go to school. They don't necessarily look at that and go, oh, they're obviously going to rest and be at peace and one with Jesus. Right. You know, like in a lot of ways, I feel like that probably looks just as harried as every other day of the week. Sure. Sometimes it feels like that in our family for sure. So I just think it's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. That's what stuck out to me as well. I mean, when he mentions the the contrast community, the contrast society, what if one of the ways in which Christians were known for being different in, in this society is by being the people who are at peace, well rested, you know, trusting God. Um, if you saw someone who was like, that guy looks like he's got a lot of sleep, must be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or or there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in that person's life. They're, they have a very busy life, but they don't have a very busy heart and mm-hmm. a very busy mind. Right. They're at peace. Uh, they're not afraid of shutting it down and throwing a football, um, having some coffee or other fermented beverages. Yep. And it, it actually reminded me of a quote I just pulled up right now from this book. It's called The Liturgy of the Ordinary by mm. Tish Warren Harrison or Tish Harrison Warren. 
And she asked this question. She, she says, what if Christians were known as a countercultural community of the well-rested people who embrace our limits in zest and even joy? Mm. Um, and then she says, and our workaholic, image-barraged, over-caffeinated, caf- entertainment-addicted, supercharged culture, a lot of superlatives there, uh, submission to our creatureliness is a necessary and often overlooked part of discipleship. Wow. Submission to our creatureliness. Hmm. What does that phrase mean to you, submission to our creatureliness? Uh, well, I mean, gosh, so much of me wanting to overwork and do as many things as possible is not submitting to my finiteness, right? The fact mm. that I'm a created being, not the creator. Yeah. I think a lot of the, the idolatry there is wanting to not cultivate and create alongside mm. my God, but it's wanting to be my God, you know, it's wanting yeah. to be the God. And so I, I want to create all of it. I want to accomplish all of it. Um, and so, you know, of course I shouldn't need to rest, but that's the amazing thing, right? I mean, the, the only, the whole source of this idea of rest is that we're getting it from, like Dr. Bobo says, we're emulating the God who worked and then rested in creation. I mean, that's, I yep. mean, what, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned fear um, because that's a great descriptor for what people I think are experiencing so much in this society where I need to put my kids in too many things because I'm afraid they're not going to accomplish everything that I want them to accomplish. I'm afraid they're not going to get in the right college. I'm afraid they're not going to be able to play in the right teams. They're not going to get good enough grades. And it's it's not a response that comes from perfect love and mm. having children of the covenant that you know are going to be okay ultimately and eternally because they're part of God's kingdom. It, it's it's joining in the zeitgeist of fear of needing to fill the calendar with every single thing and not only make sure my daughter's in dance class and acting class and swim lessons. And, you know, it's like mm. there's an ounce, you know, there's a minute in the calendar, so I better fill it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, if you think about if someone were to take the sum amount of all of the hours that you spend resting in in a Sabbath, Mm -hmm. if you took like a full day for a Sabbath, the amount of things that you could accomplish with that would be unbelievable. You could probably get a master's degree or two in your lifetime just working those days. You could start a business. You could do any number of things. Right. A day a week is a lot. A day a week is a lot. But to to step away from that day, to look that day dead in the face, if faces had days, or days had faces, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting really poetic here, um, and to say, I don't need to work, I can rest, I can trust God for all of the many plates that are spinning, he will keep them going. I think that that takes a degree of faith that we often overestimate. Absolutely. Well, that's good stuff. Well, there you have it. One more episode of the Faith Work Rest podcast, which we're now changing to uh, If Days Had Faces podcast (laughs) from here on out. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening. We had a great week of coaching. Uh, We've talked about before. We've uh, kicked off the coaching aspect of the Faith Work and Rest Initiative, uh, which is part of the Surge Network, um, where we are helping people just process different things about vocations. We're using some great science-based assessments for their behaviors, driving forces, their skills. We're talking about the vocational sweet spot and help people look at different opportunities 
uh, to really live into the fact that our work every day is integral to God's mission, not incidental. Um, so it's, it's been a good week of that. You can look into more of that at faithworkrest.com. Uh, we're also starting to do a better job of posting stuff on social media. Feel free to comment there. Uh, we've got some ways for you guys to engage on the website as well as um, you can look into different ways to follow the show and, and get different rewards that we're offering on patreon.com slash faithworkrest. See you guys soon. Imagine that Aleppo was vacation cool and northern prison buildings were vocation schools. Imagine that we sip the finest water that exists And it ain't from Poland Spring, not it's more like Poland Flint Imagine politicians with the different views All coming together every night, the news Reports on the beauty of creation, not the mess Get called some IRS just to need to hire bless The pain from autism all replaced by more wisdom The lame hit the dance floor, moving on rhythm And no stores closed, no we're cutting more ribbons And all them strip clubs become museums just for women